DraftSociety.com presents a Premier League Draft Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to the Key Pass Collective. Your exclusive source for the information, analysis, and advice you need to dominate your fantasy leagues. Come on in. We've been expecting you. What is going on, Draft Heads? Welcome back to the Key Pass Collective. I'm Joe Williams. I'll be your host here for this special podcast series that we're going to be doing on the various different positional breakdowns for your draft fantasy game. First, let's remind you the Key Pass Collective uh, is the audio companion to the draftsociety.com. We are a draft fantasy football podcast and site. Uh, and basically we've got everything you need in order to dominate, absolutely dominate your leagues, um, during the season, whether it is weekly player projections, whether it is a fixture difficulty tracker, whether it is trade advice, uh, articles on sleepers, waiver wire pickups to get you fully ready to win that matchup, win that game week. We've got that, but preseason right now we are focusing on draft prep. We are focusing on getting you ready to have the absolute best draft that you possibly can. So what does this mean? We are making rankings, team previews, cheat sheets, uh, predicted 11s, very, very in-depth analysis articles, uh, talking through the various strategic elements of this draft game. Fixture difficulty tracker for the early uh, series of of in-season fixtures. So you can kind of prep yourself depending on if you want to maybe attack the season to to really get a good start and then maybe trade off some players. Um, there's a lot of strategy that goes into these things. Anyway, we've got it all there for you. Plus player projections. Articles are dropping daily on our draft kit. It is the largest draft kit that this game, the Draft Premier League game, has ever seen. Uh, so if you'd like full access to that, $15.00. $60 will get you full access to the draft kit and the inner circle membership for the entire season. So all of our exclusive, everything that we make, whether it is like the aforementioned uh, trade advice, um, ghost point tracker, set piece taker trackers, all of it. You get all of that for the entire season. If you don't want to do that, there are some free things on there as well. Check out the draft kit. We've got some uh, top 75 rankings and positional rankings completely for free, as well as a few articles on there that are free as well. Plus, uh, we're free. Anytime you want on Twitter, hit us up, send us a, a little message, add us on Twitter, start a conversation on there. We're happy to jump in there and give you some advice on drafts or or whatever it is. Happy to get on there and uh, and just chat chat this game that we that we all know and love. Okay. Let's talk about this pod series. So this is going to be a series of three episodes. And what we're going to be doing is breaking down, not all of, but many of the 22-23 season draft assets by position. So for each episode in this series, um, we want to make sure that you've got a handle on the elite assets of that sort of positional breakdown. We want to make sure that you're understanding how to kind of properly rank those really tricky sort of mid-draft assets. You know, whether it's the fourth round, the sixth round, the eighth round, 
those are those can be really tricky to try to to figure out what the exact value of those players is. So our goal is to kind of help you help talk you through some of of those assets, those those mid round guys that can be, like I said, kind of tricky to to really put a value on. So we'll talk through some of those, um, and then finally, once we get to the late rounds in the draft, you know, I mean, it's a lot of times it's a dart throw. Um, so it, we're gonna give you our favorite dart throws, if you will, um, and then make a case for why maybe they're not just a dart throw, why uh, there's some sneaky value late in the draft with some of these sleepers or potentially hidden gems that we'll hope to point out to you. Um, Finally, before we sign off, we're going to end with some players that we think maybe are being overvalued or overrated or overhyped, if you will. Um, bottom line is we think the ADP or the average draft position is too high for uh, that particular player. And then we'll go ahead and sign off. We're going to try to keep these ones relatively short. And um, and yeah, the, the format is going to be the same for all three. So whether it's defenders, midfielders, or forwards, you're going to hear a lot of the same things uh, when the, the podcast begins, and then we'll attack it the same way, but obviously the content therein should be um, valuable, should be gold. So yeah, we'll, we'll do top tier, we'll do mid tier, and then we'll do late round drafts. A reminder as you are listening, if you can, to pull up our rankings on thedraftsociety.com so you can follow along and see where we've got different guys ranked. We can try to explain it as much as we can, but it's helpful to have a visual on that. Uh, so if you, if you do um, if you do want to head over to the website, check it out. Uh, aesthetically, we think it's pleasing. Uh, but regardless, there's some really good information on there. So pull up our rankings if you can and follow along uh, because we'll be trying to hit these pretty pretty quick. Uh, so we just want to make sure that people do have the ability to sort of know where we're at, what we're talking about, and follow along as we go through these. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. This is your forwards preview. All right. I am joined by Toddy and Gavin from the Draft Society. Head over and check out all the amazing things that they've written. But uh, tonight, you're going to actually hear their voices. And we're going to run you through these forwards. Let's not even dilly-dally here. Let's jump right into it, lads. Okay, we've got premium assets. As far as forwards go, that's going to take you from about number one to arguably, and we could potentially argue this or not, number 26. And these are our old rankings, mind you. Um, we did update them a couple of days ago, but I did take these from the original rankings that we released on the 14th of July. So these are going to take you. I'll read the I'll read the premiums because they're they're quick and easy. Mohamed Salah, Son, Harry Kane, Diaz, Holland, Nunez, Sterling, Jesus, Mares, Jota coming in at 26. And Jota with the news of the injury did fall a bit further in our recent update. So just some things to mention there. As far as those premium assets, which ones do you want to key in on? Todd, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, absolutely. I um, The first first thing I wanted to mention or just pose as an open-ended question, what qualifies a player, in this case two players, um, to be used in full name version? As opposed to <laughs> only last names, so Mo Salah and Harry Kane got the mm-hmm. e- extended um, 
Marks and the, the use of their yep. names. Yeah, yep. Everyone else was just just uh, last names. It's one of those things. Uh, just some names are better when you say them both. I as a kid, I always people always called me Joe Williams. Like nobody just ever called me Joe. It was always Joe. Like is Joe Williams coming? It'd be the full. It would be the full name every single time. Nice. So. So you you are the Harry Kane. I I must of, be of your um, <laughs> high school. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So jo- jokes aside, I wanted to uh, highlight um, two players on on this list. Uh, three now with uh, with uh, Jota being um, half halfway and halfway out. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to start with Darwin Nunez who is currently in our updated consensus ranks ranked at 21 as opposed to um, uh, the one that you read out where we had him 15. Mm -hmm. So um, you, Joe, have him at 13. Mm -hmm. All the rest of us have him more around 20 or or a bit later as well. So um, obviously... Um, we know we have we have read all the um info. We have we have done all the research. We know he's 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 a great player. He's twenty two. Um, he Klopp loves him. We we know all the marketing stuff. Um, but um, this we we expected Klopp uh to to have. Luis Diaz bed in slowly because that's what we, um, all three of us Liverpool fans, have grown to understand about how Klopp works with players. And mm-hmm. we've seen evidence of this. And Luis Diaz came and and done the exact opposite of what we expected him to do. Um, the question is, is is this the new Klopp? And we should expect a similar um, baptism of fire for Darwin Nunes, or was that a situation where um, he put in Diaz because he had no other options, or because Diaz um, impressed him so much that he he was willing to forego his usual. Um, method. This this is this is again an open ended question, and I would actually love your your guys' take on it because um, Gavin and I both have him at twenty, and you have him at thirteen, so we are a bit more um, concerned uh, about this. I think this is the main reason why you would have him lower. Um, yeah, that's definitely why I, I brought him in a little bit later in my updated ranks. I, you know, obviously there are a lot of things in kind of the preseason performances and, and you, you start to see kind of the negative comments and you have to put those aside. But I, I think for me, when looking at Nunez, um, just starting to think about, you know, past performance with Klopp and, and betting in players, Diaz, like you said, is definitely kind of the the outlier there. And I think with, I think it, you know, possibly 
he could be moved back up a little bit in my rankings before kind of our, our last consensus ranks before draft day now with Jota's injury. But I still think probably in that, you know, 18 to 20 range feels about right. I do expect him to be uh, rotated a little bit more, bedded in potentially a little bit slower uh, and, and brought along. I uh, think, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think he's definitely going to uh, step into the role more over the course of the season, but uh, a little bit more hesitant to take him early round two, just based on kind of that past performance and, and managerial style from Klopp. Yeah, I think... I think the reason he's he's a bit higher and and I was drafting yesterday night and he went I think at eleven. Yeah, it's or, ADP thirteen point three. Yeah, so he's 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 close to being a, a first rounder mm-hmm. um, on ADP and on in actual drafts. And I think the re, the main reason is um, most most of us um, the <laughs> sort of old guard even uh, we remember the first season Salah came in and I think he was a consensus there was no consensus ranks back then but he was a consensus <laughs> second rounder and he just blew everybody out of the water yeah and I think I think there is a bit of FOMO that makes and this is similar um, with Gabby Jesus as well so these new players in new situations with potentially established starters around them. Obviously, Jesus, we expect to start straight away, but these players, people just don't want to, don't want to lose out on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's definitely the case with Darwin Nunez. And, but I, I, I see, uh, a lot more difficult um, early season um, because it's the Portuguese league to the Premier League is a huge step up, and I think oh, there, sure. there will be teething issues. So my, I'll take twenty seconds on this, um, real quick. Uh, I will just say that I ranked him that way, and then what? Like a day and a half later, he scored four goals. Um, but then also, <laughs> also. <laughs> Uh, part of my thinking is the fact that Klopp has not done that betting in as much for players that the club is now paying a lot more money for. Like the betting in process seemed to be sort of one, I guess one of maybe his older style or his, his previous style when you're getting guys who were kind of like prospects and hopefully they were going to come good. I mean, Chelsea had already given up on Salah at that point. Um, he, he was still a question mark. The guys we're bringing in now, they're not question marks anymore. VVD, um, Diaz, and uh, of course, Nunez. They're not question marks. I mean, these, these are proven guys who are superstars in the making. Uh, so that's part of it. Then the other part is this. Um, for me, when you get into that second round, um, most of the midfielders there for me feel fairly similar. I mean, there's some upside to certain guys over others, but for the most part, I'm pretty happy if I get any of those midfielders kind of in that, like, I don't know, um, 12 to like, what, 22 range. Uh, I'm pretty happy with almost any of those guys on my team. And so if you're offering me the chance to take like what could potentially be an absolutely elite forward 
before a midfielder that I might be able to get anyway, uh, I'm going to take you up on that. So that's, that's where I came from on it. More of a draft aspect, if you will. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can see that happening. Um, just wanted to add to, to um, just finish up the Darwin Nunes talk. Um, just wanted to add uh, draft lads, season projections. He has him at uh, 13.2 points per start, mm-hmm. which um, puts him in the top top 10-ish, top 15 for older players, four points per start. Uh, but he has him projected to start 22 games. Hmm. And that is, that is where where um, you lose out, sort of, um, with, with his valuation, is that if you don't see him starting more than 22, 25, then I don't think he's he's worth a first-round pick. Hmm. Okay. Well, I have him at 13, so. Yeah, that's, a, that's not a first-round <laughs> pick, then. Fair, fair enough. Okay, and my other player I wanted to mention is um, Riyad Mahrez. Uh, we are pretty similar in valuation for him. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is at consensus rank 24, and everyone is ranking him between 20 and 29. I have him and Joe, both of us, we have him lowest. Gavin, you have him at 24, I think. Um, just to highlight Mares and and the general upside of Man City boys, um, he he has he has always been a below 22 uh, games starter, and he is firmly in the conversation to be a top 20 player, not just for WAR, but for overall points as well. And that is that is crazy. He's yeah. He he only started fifteen games last season, and I think that is the outlier. So if someone is giving you um, Riyad Mahrez looks in round three, then snap their hands off and mm-hmm. get Riyad Mahrez in. So you're saying he's a value at his ADP of twenty nine point nine? Yes. Okay. Yes. I like that. I like that. Even even I. Once bitten, twice shy would probably take him in the third round if he were to fall to me there. I can't see not doing it. Yep. Nice. Okay. Gavin, any uh, any thoughts on any of these premium forward assets? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this up the whole way the same that, that you are with your reference to Harry Kane, but he's one that I want to highlight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't do it. So I'm gonna just, uh, just call drop, the, drop the it's, first it's, name. Yeah, Go it's with fine. Kane. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I have looked at our consensus ranks, and and Kane has kind of consistently been in that fifth spot uh, in, in terms of how we're approaching things. Uh, I think there's some variation in, in our rankings between Kane and and Trent uh, between four and five. But the more I'm looking at it and, and thinking about it and, and kind of reflecting on last season, the more I'm thinking Kane actually should be in that same conversation as 
Sun and KDB and Salah. Oh wow! Um, so I, I went back at the and looked at the numbers, and if you remember, uh, I'm sure you do. There was a lot of speculation that Kane was going to be moving to Manchester City last season, and kind of I got must have all, missed all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of got wrapped up in all yeah. of the the media hype and his brother's management of the conversation, all of that, and oh, it, God, it really, right. uh, really, I think, got to him, and and he had his head turned, and he had a very poor start to the season by his standards. Um, I, I looked, and over the first half of the season. He was level on points with uh, Raul Jimenez, wow, um, which is is pretty wild to think about. And then uh, the second half of the season, so so sorry, the the first half of the season, he was forward number seventeen, um, about two hundred and forty fantasy points behind Salah hmm. uh, at the at the first half of the season. Second half of the season, Kane was forward one. He was. Uh, up there with Sun, both of them were far and away better than any other forwards. Uh, and he made up, I think, almost 200 of those points on Salah by the end of the season. He only finished about 70 points behind. Um, so heading into this season, I, I think you see the impact that Conte had. Uh, Spurs have strengthened. They have more depth now. I, I don't think they're title contenders, but I do think they have a lot more tools available to kind of push on multiple fronts. And I I do think they will improve in terms of how they're playing uh, in the Premier League this season, especially with having Richarlison to be able to kind of rotate and rest. Yeah. Um, One of the things that we've seen with Kane is that he's always been started in pretty much every competition for Spurs regardless just because they don't have another option yeah and i I think now that they have some more attacking depth it gives conte the opportunity to pick and choose where uh kane is going to be most effective and i do think the premier league is going to be the focus so i I see kane actually maybe having a couple less starts this season but i think the impact of that second half of the season is something that he can potentially sustain Hmm. um a lot longer. Uh, there, there are some concerns about the World Cup and Kane's injury history. And I, I think if anything uh, is going to come about in terms of an injury, it is going to be because Southgate runs him into the ground at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't hold too much stock in that. I think we've seen Kane kind of get through a, a whole season at full fitness and uh, looks to really be kicking on in, in preseason as well with his performances so far. So I'm actually considering moving him up in my rankings to maybe two or three, which hmm. seems a little crazy, but I, I think that's where I'm at on Kane right now. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the other player I wanted to highlight from this premium group is Raheem Sterling. Um, so, Kind of similar to what Tati was mentioning with uh, Nunez and Mares, uh, Sterling had you know a lot fewer starts last season at City, and I think uh, if if you look back through his numbers and kind of compare to this most recent season, he's typically started twenty eight to to thirty games in a season, and now and, and sorry for my dogs in the background, all good, uh, <laughs> it happens. Uh, <laughs> So I, I think um, with Sterling, he's going to be the focal point at Chelsea. Um, 
Tuchel seems pretty uh, adamant that he doesn't really have much in the way of other forwards to kind of challenge and, and build around. So I think everything is going to be built around Sterling being kind of the focal point of the attack. Um, they may look to bring in one additional attacking signing this window, but I think right now defense is still their priority. Um, and who knows how long it'll take to figure out whether Kunde is arriving or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> still ongoing at this point. Um, James is thinking not soon enough, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's this possibility that Sterling jumps back up from 23 starts to 30 plus this season in, in Chelsea's team. And I do think there will be some fall off probably in his points per start uh, just because he's, he's going to a team that isn't scoring quite as many goals um, as Manchester city. But again, I think with him being the focal point and having the opportunity to, to have so many more starts, I think he enters the conversation of around one pick. Um, it, it's really close for me. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, I, I'm pick 11 in one of my leagues and mm. Uh, it's kind of that thing that you mentioned, Joe, of do I, do I reach a little bit here and think about what's going to come back to me the next round Mm -hmm. or, uh, does it make more sense to start with somebody like Robertson or, uh, you know, maybe Saka falls to 11. I'm not sure. Um, but that's kind of one of those conversations that's, that's kind of creeping in is like, is Sterling worthwhile as a round one kind of end of round one pick, or does it make more sense to wait a little bit longer? So Hmm. that's kind of where I'm at with both of those. I think both are potentially going to outperform their ADP. Okay. I like it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have, we'll have more conversations around, uh, you know, draft picks and, and who to take where, uh, later, but, That'll get that'll stray us away from this particular position that we're focusing on. So we'll we'll leave those for another day. But um, I do think that's interesting that you bring up the fact that taking Sterling in that first round would still leave you with a lot of those, you know, really good midfielders, that kind of crop that I was talking about slash Robertson for that second round. That's uh, yeah, something to think about for sure. Um, Okay, any other discussions quickly on uh, premium assets, quote unquote, premium assets? The only. The only one I wanted to mention, and it's uh, on the precipice of being a premium or for the next group, but I'll I'll still mention is um, his Jota, who currently has a hamstring injury, yeah, um, and is has fallen to round four in my um, draft that I did last night, and. I actually took him in round four mm-hmm. because I still have him as like I know these preseason injuries are are a real sort of red flag, so to say. But um, he currently has a hamstring injury, and there are still more than two weeks, mm-hmm. um, or at least when we got the info that he had a hamstring injury, there were still. almost three weeks to go until the start of the season Um, people or players that we we have covered or or watched recover from possibly similar hamstring injuries to start the next game after they go off uh, the field so 
I'd still, I'd still say that even if Jota misses the first few weeks of the season, he's still amazing value at oh. uh, round four. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I told you that yesterday when I saw that uh, when I saw that draft board. That's highway robbery for me. Um, yeah. You took him. You took him three picks before somebody took Ronaldo. Like. absolutely (laughs) yeah exactly um for sure okay well let's talk mid tiers then because um jota's probably in that conversation now but uh we'll leave him in the aforementioned group just because we're all liverpool fans anyway so it's fine um (laughs) so mid-tier players we're looking at uh consensus rank and this is the previous batch we can get you the new ones um here in just a second but uh it goes from ivan tony essentially down to uh what i would consider somewhere around the uh, Sinistera sort of time in the draft, which is 73-ish, um, right in the 70s, right in there. And that does include, you know, players like your Rashfords, um, Richarlison's, Kai Havertz, uh, Zaha, Antonio. You know, it's, it's that whole kind of crop of players that we all kind of have trouble really putting a value on. And when it comes down to it in that fifth, sixth round, you know, who are you taking over someone else? So these get a little bit tricky, a little bit hairy. Um, as I previously mentioned, and um, and this is where I think people need a little bit of guidance just in terms of maybe guys we're high on or ones to avoid. So, Gavin, why don't we start with you on this one? What, what are your uh, who are your players you want to key in on for the mid tiers? <coughs> sure, uh, I think kind of the opposite of what I did with premium assets. These are I've got two guys that I want to point out as maybe more cautionary or, or being a little bit more cautious with your approach for them. Um, just based on their ADP. And I think even where we have them in our consensus ranks, um, the first of which is Mikhail Antonio. Mm. Um, I, I think he's been uh, a very explosive asset. And I think you can look at uh, kind of how he started last season and, and justify that. But I think a lot of kind of where he is falling in in drafts and being taken um, and I've seen him go in kind of like the mid to late third round and, and early fourth. Um, but he put up, I think, 40% of his points in the first 10 game weeks last season. Wow. Um, he, he started like a house on fire. You know, he, I think it was three consecutive matches of like 28 plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and he was, you know, the first overall forward into, I think, the beginning of October. Um, and it's, it's easy to forget that based on kind of where he finished up and you look at the kind of overall rankings and and you think, yeah, it makes sense that he's there with kind of the average scores that he has. But I, I think a lot of Antonio's value is kind of skewed by that early season form. Um, and I also think there are some risks with West Ham in general this season that may not work out quite so well for him. Um, it's, it's a, there's a lot of question marks. I, I think he could still be a very good asset and uh, surprise a lot of people and, and potentially be worthwhile in the third round. I'm just not quite so high on him. Um, mostly, I think the kind of concerns with West Ham being in Europe next season, um, there's this speculation of them moving to a new formation and, and trying out a 3 5 2. Um, with Skamaka arriving and then potentially them bringing in Philip Kostic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think we've seen Antonio play in a two-striker system. He's typically either been kind of up up top on his own or on the left wing. So it might be something that he needs to adjust to. 
Um, and then Antonio, you, you, yeah, Anto- yeah sorry, real quick, Antonio, um, ADP of forty three point four right now. So maybe the community is a little bit savvier than we're giving them credit for here. Forty three point four is not bad, but that's the fourth round, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That uh, maybe they're maybe they've kind of cued into this as well. Um, I, I think I still even have him a little bit lower than that. I think I'm closer to the end of the fourth round in, in okay. my rankings. Yeah, because um, Kai, Kai, and Ali uh, are both below him, and I think I might take them both before him if it were me. Yeah, I, I definitely take Watkins before him. Kai, I'm a little. Kai, Kai and Antonio are very close for me, okay. uh, especially with Tuchel's recent comments about not being happy with his attackers. Uh, <laughs> well, how could you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's he, he basically said, like, how do you expect me to make changes if I've got the same players? So uh, not not super high on Howard's nope. this season. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and then I think the other thing that has been a concern in the past and I'm worried about a little bit again is the the fitness uh issues i'm wondering if antonio staying fit for a whole season when it was an anomaly um hard to say but he you always have to kind of factor in those previous injuries and uh i think last season was the most uh starts he had gotten in a premier league season ever mm-hmm. yeah i tend to agree with you there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah about, about the anomaly I, I, yeah i i think you know end of end of round four i think is probably value um could obviously outperform that but that's that's kind of generally where i'm thinking for antonio and then the other uh player i wanted to highlight was callum wilson um and i I think he is one of the trickiest forwards for me to rank yeah um I, i think there's so much that says newcastle is going to improve and they have improved and you look at kind of the end of last season when he returned from his long-term injury and he looked great. He was, you know, all over the place. He scored a couple goals at the end of the season. Um, but he missed a lot of time with that Achilles injury. And he's been a, a pretty injury-prone player throughout his career. Um, I, I don't know if that comes back to to haunt uh, Newcastle, especially if they don't strengthen it forward. Uh, with Chris Wood kind of being the only backup option that they have as a forward now. Um, but that also kind of reinforces their need to strengthen in the transfer market. And there there have been some rumors of uh, Newcastle now jumping into the race for Broya and uh, a couple of other strikers that I've seen kind of over the course of the summer um, that kind of suggests that maybe Wilson isn't being trusted to be the the long-term option there at Newcastle. Um, so I think if we're looking at somebody in round five, uh, that's a tricky proposition where, you know, maybe Newcastle don't bring in somebody this window, but they do kind of go for that marquee signing in January. Maybe, Hmm. um, it's, yeah, kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of Adama last season where I'm, I'm excited about him, but I also am a, a little worried about his injury record, and then also the potential that he is uh, replaced in the lineup. That's such a tough spot in the draft. Like with, with Wilson there, um, you're finding him around guys like Mitrovic. And I mean, if, if you're still in need of a forward at that point, you're looking at Mitrovic, you're looking at Jimenez, 
you're looking at maybe Richarlison if he falls to you there, or I mean, yeah, gosh, I mean, yeah, so many question marks. Johnson, Brennan Johnson, like, yeah, this is a really interesting. It's it's a tricky spot in the draft, and yeah, and you don't want to. I mean, you, this, you're still in the sub ten picks, so you don't want to waste that pick. Certainly, um, that's a hard one for sure. Yep, I think. Um... I, I agree with Gavin here, and um, he went in the aforementioned uh, drafts, he went uh, round six, um, which is more more to his his um, sort of speed, I think. Um, I when when I look at players like Wilson, who I will I would look at as a as a short term high upside pick. I always try to go to the trusted fixture difficulty tracker. So I'm assuming uh, no one... I've seen drafts going as early as mid-July, but um, assuming everyone is trying to draft as late as possible. Right, ideally, uh, as, right? As close to the start of the season as possible. So you will you will know if he's actually injured uh, there. And this is similarly true for Antonio as well. Um, and if he's not injured, then for me, the main metric to look at uh, with these guys is is the first few fixtures. Because <laughs> if you looked. if you can if you can optimize uh, to pick a questionable guy who you think will start, um, but you want to. Oh, you want to maximize value on him. You pick the guy who who is um, who is starting out hot. Well, um, for forwards, um, the fixtures against uh, in the first six games, Newcastle are the second worst. They have Man City, Liverpool, and surprisingly. Crystal Palace are the third most difficult team to face for forwards. Hmm. So they have the first, the second, and the third most difficult team to face for for forwards. Vieira, um, maybe. So and we, I think Wolves will be better defensively, at least. I do personally. Well. Uh, I'm. Let's go back to the <laughs> def- defenders, defenders um, pod, or maybe the the deep cut, unrecorded uh, go- <laughs> goalkeepers pod on on that one. Whether Wolves will be better defensively, but but um, obviously Forest on on game week one, um, a newly promoted side is always a gamble, and. Brighton as well, surprisingly, um, among the top five uh, for most difficult places or most difficult teams for forwards to face. Yeah. Um, West Ham, incidentally, fourth worst on the same list, facing Chelsea, City, Brighton, Spurs in the first six games. Oh, and that's in reference to the Antonio discussion. yeah, Yeah. So I I I'm fully on board with with Gavin's um, asterisks behind nice. these um, these these players. 
Okay, I like it. I, lo- I always love when we can come back to something that is like tangible um, that coincidentally is found on our site. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gavin, anything else to add on, on either of those guys? No, just uh, glad that the stats back up my my musings. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> love it. It's All always right, Toddy, good. Let, it's let's always hear good. your mid-round guys, Toddy. Um, mine are also both um, guys that I'm that I'm highlighting because I'm lower on than than where we actually have them. Okay. Uh, one is Richardson, who I'm lowest on, and I think it it doesn't need much explanation. Um, just copy and paste what Gavin said about Hurricane. <laughs> because because um although Richardson could end up in a sort of timeshare with um Kulusevsky, but I I do see Kulusevsky as a much, much better player um than Richardson. So I I think I think there is a set front three at uh Spurs and Richardson is there to to help with rotation and to help with potential injuries, but but as we're not explicitly planning for or um, looking at injuries, and neither Son nor Kane nor Gusevsky are particularly injury prone, I am I find it difficult to to even even like even recommend drafting him not that i wouldn't draft him at a certain point but but to to find a narrative where i could say go on and go in for him again yeah. i have to go back to my pet pet project or my pet uh two of two two of my um favorite stats <laughs> Overthinking football's quality starts, <laughs> <He> starts. and um, <laughs> and draft the thoughts is um, fixed fixture difficulty tracker. So um, for a guy like this, um, a guy who is not nailed on, um, you can throw you can throw these essentially out of the window, and you cannot use them because because like even if if Spurs were among the top teams to face um, or, or to have a, a good fixture list at the beginning of the season, he could end up not playing at all in the first six games. And you'd, you you essentially would feel at the end of the first six games, you would essentially feel like you've, you've dropped a fifth or sixth round pick. Right. Which, which is still a val- very valuable pick. So I so do not draft players in the first six rounds who have no clear path to starting games. That, let me give that, you that let me my... give you three numbers quick before we before we continue. So ADP of fifty six currently. Um, that's most currently from Fantrax right now. Fifty six. Um, fifty six. We have him, um, of course, at sixty four. And then I'm looking at Draft Lad's projections, and he's projected 71st on the season. But like you said, of course, his projected game started only 17. Like those 17 could all come in the second half of the season. 
Is he somebody you might consider playing off the bench? I know we don't say that very often. I think for that to to happen, you'd need to um, get a feel for how Conte uses the five subs. Yeah. Before that, like on draft day, I cannot have to have that be a decisive factor yeah. in his case, especially at ADP fifty six. Yeah, it's way too high. I've I've got uh, I think our our do not draft list is coming out in the next day or so, and Richarlison is my pick for for yes. do not draft. Nice. <laughs> I, I cannot believe he is ADP fifty six. Uh, I just I don't see it and. Uh, if you're interested in my rationale, just go to the article because I've I've spent a, a decent chunk of time writing yeah. that out. But uh, it, it's, yeah, it's basically exactly what Tati is saying: the the playtime concerns and um, yeah, just uh, a round five pick is not what I want to use on a rotation piece. He's ahead of a player you may remember going in the second round last season, Dominic Calvert Lewin. <sighs> Richarlison's going before DCL. Like, looking at my own rankings, the most damning is that I I have, these are the players I have before him. Patrick Bamford, um, Raul Jimenez, okay. <laughs> yeah. and Che Adams. Wow, Che Adams is currently with an ADP of 113.4. <laughs> I have all of those players above Richarlison as well. Yeah. And I actually think I'm I'm lowest on him now by one in our updated consensus rankings. I'm right there with you, Toddy. Wow. You have you have you have um mis- or not mistakenly, but uh <laughs> by by chance invited the anti Richarlison club to uh, analyze on the podcast so oh man you'll you'll get uh, angry spurs fan letters i'm i'm third highest on him i mean i'm yeah i guess i'm third highest on him at almost 60 um genie has him at 47 so i'd be curious to hear his rationale there but hmm. um it might be something along the lines of how i feel about jota where you know he's almost going to be spelling anyone in that front three and so that could actually spell kind of more starts for him um than than maybe we're giving him credit for because you know people need to rest so it's if he's if he's in for Kuliseski one week he might be in for Kane the next week and and we know he can play along the 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 top pretty much anywhere because he had to because of injuries um previously so uh, yeah I don't I mean I'm with you guys I I'm probably not gonna end up with him on any teams but I do see a, maybe an argument that he, he'll get more starts than 17. I agree with that. But if you look at past seasons, I think his lowest number of starts has been like 31. Wow. So it's it's a big drop off, in my opinion, in terms of how many games he's going to get. Yeah, And when you think about his actual output, I mean, I know it was a worse team, but still, it's like even with 31, he, you know, he, he never really cracked that kind of top tier of forward talent, you know? But would you be surprised if he just started all the cup games and um, if Spurs win the first three Champions League games or even if they win the first two, then all of the, all of the rest of the Champions League space, uh, 
no. games. Not at all. And that that would be like a week uh, or a game a week for him. Yeah, not at all. So. And 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 I think I think he'll play every week. And here's the problem, Toddy. Um, if you look at the do not draft list or the do not draft article that's coming out, um, I also have chosen a Spurs player on there. Uh, it's a it's a different one, but um, I I mention and I did I looked it up on I think some Twitter source or something, but I verified it just to make sure. But Conte um, utilized five subs something like almost eighty percent of the time when he was allowed them. Um, in that kind of project restart season in Italy. So he was among the highest of any coach um, during that project restart sort of, you know, whatever session you want to call it, uh, to use all five subs of almost any coach in the world in the top I, five leagues. I'm not surprised by that. Uh, I I seem to remember him using uh, uh, the halftime sub even when there were only three subs available. Oh, and imagine if he put if he brings on halftime subs, how upset! I mean, managers are going to be livid. I Just think we'll see more 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 halftime subs um, this season than ever before. Yeah, but um, but yeah, you don't want your first five round picks <laughs> halftime subbed. That's, I'm having right. flashbacks to Harrison. <laughs> oh yeah, lord! Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, put a bow on the the Brazilian. Yep, and probably Spurs before we <laughs> we, we get we get shut down. Um, and the my other pick is Marcus Rashford, and um, he is he is creeping up draft boards. I will I will give you that, but um, I would still exercise caution. I think um, I think. Currently, our main source for um, United speculation in our uh, in our uh, draft society group chats is Genie, <laughs> yes. um, and and he is adamant that Bruno, Eriksson, Sancho, Ronaldo, and Rashford will all be in the starting 11 most of most of the time and i just cannot i just cannot for the life of me see it happening um starting with five attacking players most of who are explicitly um known for not doing enough defending um so so i'm i'm concerned how that attack will work like at all um and whether rashford can gain back his um his form from uh three seasons ago was it yeah two seasons ago that made him made him a second round pick yeah he's made his way up to 61 um currently let's see um where did he go in in your draft that you just had uh, he was in the fourth, so yeah. considerably higher than sixty-one. Yeah, he 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 was like Martial, Ronaldo, and uh, Rashford were gone by by the fifth round, which, <laughs> which is just 
See, I was gonna, br- I was actually gonna bring up Martial once we finished talking about Rashford because I saw that on your draft board that you shared with me again, and he went in the beginning of the fifth, yes. the beginning of the fifth, before aforementioned Mikel Antonio, before, um, I mean, just any like before, <laughs> before Joel Matip, before Trossard, um, before just guys that you know are gonna start like literally every single week. Yep. Yep. Rashford, but, Rashford went before Diogo Jota. Yeah, that I don't. I, you must have been overjoyed to see. I'm sure you at that point in the draft you thought for sure Jota was going. Yes, and I was, <laughs> and and I wasn't looking at Rashford to pick if no, if no. Jota had gone. And and I get it. This is a time when when there will be vastly different um, narratives for looking at United assets. Some, like me, will be hesitant mm-hmm. to to buy in to the revolution of Ten Hag and uh, buy in to just everything miraculously working. Uh, some will be will say that um, finally the um, right manager is there to to get these Otherwise, I agree with uh, very talented players to to play well and to function well. I can see I can see that happening, but um, I still think that that um, that club at this time and for the last few years has been has been broken. And changing managers is only changing manager managers is is just not gonna. Not gonna um, make it work. Yeah. I, I mean, you can you can see you can, and, and I don't want to go down a, 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 a changing up our anti Spurs uh, <laughs> agenda into an anti United <laughs> agenda, but but you can see you can see from the signings they have made, like they've signed a left back to a position that they had two pretty decent left backs in Mm -hmm. they have signed an attacking midfielder where they arguably have the only only player they have on their roster who is who can be considered world class (laughs) and they have and the players that they are linked with none of them are defensive midfielders who like everyone Man United fans, including, have been crying out for. Yeah. So, does that not suggest that there is something inherent, or not inherently, but something in the big picture stuff that is that is broken, and it will probably not be changed by changing managers. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on him, I think, than that. Like, and just, we can, again, we can kind of put a bow on him as well. But um, at 61, you know, we're, we're in that aforementioned kind of weird zone where forwards start to get a little bit tricky and the valuation becomes very varied. Um, and so when you look at Rashford versus the next forward in ADP is Callum Wilson. The aforementioned. Um, so, Gavin, who would you prefer? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I'm glad you asked that because I, I thought about it earlier and I was actually going through and kind of updating my own rankings and I'm pretty sure I'm going to take Rash. I, I'm going to move Rashford up above Callum Wilson. Yeah. So I like at 61, it's not bad, right? The problem is, Toddy, that he went in the fourth round yesterday in your draft. <laughs> yeah. And I think he will creep up in ADP as well. Yeah. Uh, as we go closer to the season. Okay. I'm, and I'm glad we touched on Martial too, because I was going to ask you guys about him. Um, Gavin, we we sort of blabbered on for a while over uh, over those guys. Is there anything you wanted to add on on any of those uh, United assets? Uh, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit hotter on them than Toddy, but on Martial, not, uh, no. And and maybe we can touch <laughs> on that a little bit later. Um, oh, okay, okay, got it, got it. Sorry, but yeah, I, I, I haven't looked no, forward no. to the document. <laughs> All good. Um, but no, I, I think Sancho and, and Rashford, I'm feeling pretty good about. Okay. I like it. I, 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 I'm liking Sancho too, low-key. Don't tell anyone in my draft that starts at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk late-rounders, sleepers, or hidden gems. So these are guys um, from anywhere from Che Adams all the way down to um, Kalechi Iannaccio, or let's look at our most updated set of rankings. Um, these would be guys from, again, Che Adams at 77, uh, all the way down to Jaden Anthony at 132. Um, in this group is going to be uh, Julian Alvarez, uh, quandaries like Adama Traore, uh, Brennan Johnson, guys like Danny Welbeck. So there's a lot here. There's a lot to think about, um, and there are some definitely some some weird, uh, really confounding names here that. Um, Managers are going to be sifting through on draft day and sometimes, you know, having a minute, minute and a half to try to make their decision. So let's talk these late round assets. Toddy, which ones did you want to bring up either in a positive or a negative light? Um, So I want to bring up um, three guys very quickly, uh, both for positive and negative reasons. Um, I'll let you, Joe, uh, jump into the analyst chair and take um, your favorite uh, Denise yes. so yes. I'm, I'm not going to talk about him uh, the three guys I wanted to talk about very briefly is Dom Solanke Julian Alvarez and Kelechi Nacho. Um, Dom Solanke I think uh, Gavin was um, lucky enough to proofread my Bournemouth article <laughs> uh, man if you if you've just purchased a draft kit or an ultimate pass, do not start with the Bournemouth <laughs> articles. That's um, rough reading. It's very rough reading, and it's Ooh. and it's it's not because of the Hunglish. It's um, it's it's because <laughs> it's because uh, Bournemouth are a combination of very very difficult fixtures, very very minimal. Um, new signings and not being very good in the first place, and this trifecta is just <laughs> is just horrid. I think, um, I think I am, I am currently ranking Solanke just because, um, I had, I had, um less time to finish up the end of the ranks, but I will explicitly 
pay attention to not having him in my top 150 uh, by the time Thursday comes around. I just I just cannot um, in good faith recommend drafting him at all. He there will be <laughs> I, I will tell you there will be times when he will be worth considering for sleepers or waivers. Mm-hmm. But to draft, no way, no way, no. Wow. Way. Yeah, so, so okay. they're starting Villa, City, Arsenal, Liverpool. That's their first four. Yeah. <laughs> like, even if he scored against Villa, you would still drop him for the next three games. Um, okay, so the other two both both fit the bill of... Um, High upside punts for me, and I will tell you why. Um, Julian Alvarez, he is, although I ranked him um, obviously a bit higher, but he is one of those classic 14th, 15th, 16th round pick for me, mm-hmm. who you pick up and and just hope somehow gets close to the first team. Because I think his upside will be huge. I think he, um, doing doing a bit of research, he is much more of a of a player capable of um, playing a similar shadow striker, false ninety role that um, Pep thinks he invented uh, in the last two years. Uh, so I then then obviously then Erling Haaland. So if if for some reason um, Pep wants to change systems during a game or wants to start out um, in a in a different system, then he will be a good player to to plug in. He was very prolific in Argentina, which is um, probably needs an asterisk. And brackets as well, but uh, it's it's worth noting. Yeah. And going back to the fixture difficulty tracker, they're starting West Ham, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest. That's their first five. And don't forget, there are City stands out there who, if they see him starting a match or starting one or two, you'll be able to trade for a pretty decent profit. Especially, um, especially if their player is the one missing out. Exactly. Yep. Precisely. So you're ca- cashing in on someone else's desperation. That's classic capitalism. Yep. Yep. Good old, <laughs> good old fashioned capitalism. <laughs> and the last one I wanted to mention is Kelechi and Nacho, and also this this also relates back to the extensive research we all do when we are tasked with writing team previews um i've done L- i've done the lesser research and um as i as i knew this before because i i kind of like lesser as a team and and most of their players um rogers just cannot figure out if he's going to use a a 532 or a 433 mm-hmm. or some kind of um um, shape shift, shape shift of these two um, formations, and 
there is a very, very real chance, and not e- this is not even before um, before there was there were rumors in the last two days that uh, Newcastle are doing everything to get Harvey Barnes. Even before that, I I would I wouldn't I would put a non-zero chance at Rogers starting the season in a two-forward set. Mm. Um, and that would include Ian, Ian Nacho in there because he is amazing as the player behind uh, Jamie Vardy or potentially Pat Sandaka, but Jamie Vardy most likely if he's not injured. So if you can get him and hope for this 5-3-2 to stick, then you'll you'll be the happiest player with your 15th rounder. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Love that. Um, I don't. Inacho mm, is a tough one for me. I, I can't see myself taking him. I I think I'd be much more likely to take like a really high upside punt at that point. Isn't he a high upside punt? Is he though? How? I mean, I think he is. I, I <laughs> I'll give an anecdote from last season for okay, me. Okay, please, please. Uh. The, the end of the season prior, Iannaccio was in incredible form and led to me and many other people drafting him, I think, in the, the fifth or sixth round last season, yeah. um, which <laughs> did not pan out very well. Right. I even I even went for the DACA handcuff late, which oh, made it even worse. Yeah. But I, I think in terms of upside, when he's in the team and, and starting, he has performed very well. So... I, I definitely don't recommend taking him anywhere before round like 12. But I, I think those last four rounds when you are looking for upside, I, I think he's a good pick there. Toddy, were this two-pronged attack to become a reality, your Harvey Barnes love is immediately null and void. It is. It is. And I would cry uh, in a fetal position. <laughs> But I would be happy because I I would have um, followed my own advice and picked up Ianacho <laughs> in a late round in the in the draft. He Love has it. he has a points per start of nine point eight. That's great. And uh, ghost uh, or sorry points per ninety of eleven point two. Hmm. All right. Well. Something to think about, at least. Certainly. All right. Uh, Gavin, what do you think as far as your uh, late-round flyers, lottery picks, uh, hidden gems, etc.? cetera? Uh, I've gone for one that I wrote fairly extensively about in my uh, my Brentford Sleepers article, and that's Brian and Bummo. Um, I, I think... I mentioned in the article, I was a huge fan of his early on last season, just watching him. He seemed like one of those guys that should be putting up big numbers based on how involved and and dynamic he was in the attack. And he significantly underperformed his XG last season. Um, He hit the post seven times in 11 matches at the, at the start of last season. And uh, only ended up scoring four goals last season. Uh, when he was expected to score 10. So it, you know, if even a few of those end up going in, it's it's already a jump up the the rankings for him. But I think the other thing that's interesting is 
now that uh, Ericsson has left and gone to Manchester United, um, there's a possibility that Mboma might be on some set pieces. He he did take some earlier on in the season before Ericsson arrived. And um, I, I think he's going to be much more nailed on than somebody like a Matthias Jensen who would take set pieces when he's in the team. Um, I don't see Jensen really getting in the team that often this season. Um, he's He's just not that great for the team beyond his set piece quality. And I don't think that's enough for uh, Thomas Frank to keep him in the team regularly for them to keep pushing forward and uh, try and offset the loss of Erickson from the team. So I, I think Mbomo is, is one of those guys that as a forward in the later rounds, when you're looking at guys like uh, the newly promoted forwards of, you know, Johnson or Awanai or mm. Jaden Anthony, um, you're getting a guaranteed starter that has already proven that he can perform in the Premier League, uh, even even though he did underperform to an extent last season. Um, I, I'd much rather have somebody who's nailed on and you know has underperformed their potential heading into a, a new season um, than I would somebody who's either an unproven asset or somebody like a Danny Ings that uh is going to be super super goal dependent and you you just don't know what you're going to get you might get one point or or 30 um i'd rather have maybe you know that 8 to 15 range of an expectation from somebody like Mbomo um for a forward 4 so I, i'm pretty high on him this year i i think he's going to do well um even if Brentford do kind of slip back a little bit from where they finished last season uh which is what i expect um, nice. And then the other guy that I am choosing to highlight is not currently on our top 150 consensus ranks, but I have <laughs> a sneaky suspicion he might be uh, on our next update this week. And that's Leon Bailey. Um, he's been lights out in preseason, performing extremely well. He's already chimed in with a, a couple goals and assists. And uh, Gerard actually kind of singled him out for praise after the last preseason match and said, you know, he was, he was really impressed with how Bailey has performed. He seems like a new player and he is indicating that he really wants to be a part of the first team. And I I think it's an indication that uh, Gerard is at least considering having him uh, part of the, the starting 11. And, you know, if, if Gerard moves away from this, two up top formation that really doesn't seem to be doing him any favors correct and goes to uh, a four three three you could see some something like Bailey and Coutinho or Bailey and Buendia flanking Watkins and I think that's a really tasty uh, kind of formula for attack and potential uh, like really really high upside late round pick hmm. um, so Bailey's creeping up my rankings. I think he will be in my top 150 um, once we release our, our new updated rankings. I'll, I'll be curious to see if anyone else is kind of joining me there. Well, but we I, mo- we we moved him up in the uh, in the newest version three of the tiered cheat sheet. Oh, nice! So awesome. yeah, he'll he'll be creeping up a little bit at least there. I'm 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 just glad that uh, we even even the Ryan's missing. Uh, from this this edition <laughs> of the pod, we got we got a tasty in there from from exactly. Gavin. <laughs> couldn't couldn't go without it. 
channeling. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I like it. I mean, I, I don't know how convinced I am that he's going to start even, I don't know, X number 20 uh, matches, you know, but like he, he might be one of those players that's worthwhile to hold, even if he's not starting every match just for the ones that he does. If that makes sense. Yeah. And if, if yeah. he doesn't make it into the team, the first couple weeks of the season, then you can drop him. I, I think he's he's exactly the prototype for that late punt kind of pick that you want to look for towards the end of the draft. Yeah, good point. All right, anything else on late round guys that we want to add quickly? We good on that? Anything? Do we want to mention did, uh, did Armando not, Broyo quickly? Did you not want to speak to Denny's in doves? Um, no, I don't. I don't first know who tra- that is. First round numbers? No, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and and anybody drafting with me, uh, just, I'm going to actually cut this part out of the podcast. <laughs> so I will read a, a very, a very quick uh, section from my Brighton Sleepers article. It starts <laughs> like this. Let's all be very honest with ourselves for a moment. The Neil Maupai experiment needs to officially come to an end, right? And while sometimes bleedingly obvious things like this that anyone with functioning retinas can pick up on, managers can seem to be slow to make the same realizations. Potter, however, seems to understand that Mopai is just not it. So that's it. That's my argument. Not to mention the fact that he's he's pretty good. <laughs> Old Denny's. Um, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. I don't think it's gonna be right away. That's the problem. I just I just wanna be hurt again. I just want, I just I just want the Ali Reza John Bucks experience all uh-huh. over again. Yeah, exactly. Chengi's under uh, Ali Reza Jahan Bash. I mean, all of them. Yeah, we just <laughs> we're gluttons for punishment here. It's fine. <laughs> one of them's um, bound to work out eventually, right? <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Uh, new, I will. One of them will be the new Riyad Mahrez. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, let's move on. So to end it off, we're going to do overvalued, overhyped, or do not draft. Um, these are players that you are staying away from uh, at his current ADP or average draft position. We're not saying don't draft him at all, but we're just saying where he's currently being drafted. Yeah, it's not for us. Um, so let's jump into that. Um, why don't you kick us off here on this one, Gavin, and then we'll we'll kind of end with Toddy. And I have a quick shout out for mine as well. Sure thing. Um, I alluded to this earlier uh, with the kind of Martial conversation, but I'm out on both potential Manchester United starting strikers. Um, But particularly, I'm going to highlight Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. Um, His ADP right now is 34, which uh, given kind of all the speculation about will he or won't he stay, um, even if he does stay, is he going to start? Is he going to, you know, break up this kind of decent rhythm that United has has got going with Martial in preseason. Is he going to be petulant and kind of complain and and not, you know, work for the team? Is he going to fit in Ten Hag's style of play? So there's a lot of questions there that I'm really unsure of. Um, And then if you look at his ADP and, and who's available afterward, I would much, much rather have somebody like Bernardo Silva or Felipe Coutinho, um, even Christian Eriksen from the same team. There's a lot of players that are kind of available in that late third round, early fourth round type of position that 
Um, I'm going to take over a, a question mark like Ronaldo, even with his uh, his upside. I, I'm not a, a huge fan of the 40 points or negative half kind of style <laughs> of player. Um, so I, I will go with somebody that I can expect a little bit more consistency from, especially that early in the, the first four rounds. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Toddy? Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more with your Ronaldo <laughs> thing. Um, mine is, 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 is maybe a bit more controversial. And it's uh, Gabriel Jesus in round one. Um, and this this needs to be caveated that I'm only um, saying that he, for me, shouldn't go in round one. Um, he's he's a very good player, and he, I think he he will fit in well at Arsenal. He will score goals, so I'm not I'm not doubting his potential. I just see a lot more value in round one. Hmm. And I think and I think that um I've been I've been saying this for a while now and I I just think Arteta is not not a very good manager. Like he's he's a good he's a decent manager but I think he's been bailed out many times by some of his players hitting form um, at the right time, like I, th- I, re- I remember. Um, I, I, I don't think it, it was this year. Maybe it was this year or last year. Um, when they beat Chelsea um, after Christmas, and before they they won against Chelsea, um, December twenty eighth or something like that. Um, he was, I think, the lowest odds to be sacked, and then he went on this amazing run and pushed for, pushed for Europe and whatever. But, but uh, I just don't think he's he's a he's a very good manager. And there will be, everyone's now thinking that Arsenal have become the finished article, mm. and and although I I really like their um, transfer window so far. Uh, and there's probably more to come. Uh, like if they get in a Yuri Tilleman, um, I'm much more excited about them. But mm-hmm. when when um, when the shit hit, hits the fan, um, yeah. I don't think Arteta will 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 be able to uh, manage well. Uh, mm. And I think that's where that's where um, Jesus falls out of the first round into the second round. So not not so far down but into the second round for me hmm okay yeah i i know i can i can see that and and even ryan you know i mean and and ryan follows arsenal more closely than any of us and obviously more closer than most humans um <laughs> even he said what 15 goals was was what he it's kind of what he thought exactly. yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's not a first round forward yeah even even if he if, if he has decent ghosts right that's that's not the first round forward. So unless you truly think that it's going to be braces and hat tricks galore, um, yeah, there's there's first round talent there that you don't want to miss out on uh, by really reaching for somebody like that. But but I don't know. We've got we've got Gavin taking Sterling in the first. So what do we do? C- considering. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. 
not well, I want, committed I, yet. I want to run mine past you guys because um, mine is just a word of caution. This is not a player who's bad or who I'm not drafting at all. I'm just, I want people to be careful where they're drafting Ivan Tony because I think there's a lot of hype surrounding the way that he ended the season. And everybody just needs to remember that he ended the season with one Christian Erickson on his team. And if you sort in fan tracks, um, and if you play on a different platform, hopefully they allow you to do this sort of thing. Sort by his first half numbers, or at least up until March, um, when Erickson really started getting starts. And he was still a great forward. We're talking, I, I think it was top 15, top top 20 for sure. Um, but just be careful. Be careful reaching on Tony, because there are players, again, it's, a, it's kind of like what we were just discussing with the Jesus Sterling thing. There are players at that point in the draft that you might not want to miss out on by reaching for what you think is a new reality with Tony. But unfortunately, I think that's going to sort of regress back to the norm, um, which was still great. And I, I love him as a player. I really do. I love watching him. He's awesome. But just a word of caution. Any thoughts on that, guys? I'll jump in there because I, I actually wrote about Tony in my Brentford article. Oh, and, nice. Um, yeah, it, it's true that he did kind of improve in his points per start in the second half of the season, particularly when Erickson was in the team. Um, but if you do look at the the first half numbers, he was actually, I think, uh, sixth highest forward before Erickson. Was he? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he did improve the points per start, but in terms of like before Erickson and after Erickson, I think it was very similar. I think he was sixth best before and, and maybe eighth best after. Um, obviously you have other forwards kind of coming in and, and around there that, may skew those numbers a little bit. Obviously the form of Kane and son, the second half of the season, push him down a little bit. Um, but I, I still think that uh, I agree with you. I, I think he is somebody that I've seen going at the turn from round two to round three. And I think that's too early. Um, I, I think he's maybe a, a mid round three kind of guy at best. Um I think there's just a little bit of regression. Like I mentioned earlier for Brentford, uh, I, I don't see them finishing like 11th place this season. I think it's going to be closer in those like 14, 15 type of range. And uh, yeah, I, I think he'll still be the focal point of their attack. He's still going to be one of the guys that puts up the the ghost points and uh, kind of dominates a lot of statistics. But I do think there probably will be some uh, some regression rather than pushing on, especially with Erickson gone. Cool. So okay. would you, would you, I, I agree. I, I cannot, cannot add anything more to, hmm. to this, but, um, just, just a question mark. Uh, so I, I agree with your valuation of Ivan Tony, uh, as in the sort of round two, round three type of guy. Uh, but I'll throw throw a few guys we have talked about today uh, at you uh, to value. So, would you rather Ivan Tony or Pedro Neto? Tony. Gavin. Oh, man, that's close. <laughs> um, I, I think Tony just for number of starts 
Okay, and what about Diogo Jota with these two? It's it's Tony now with the injury. Three games missed. Yeah, it's Tony. But honestly, probably prior, I'm, I, hmm, I think I would have said Jota, but it's it's very close. Yeah, I think before the injury, definitely Jota. Now, probably coin flip. But again, probably leaning Tony, but just barely. Okay, and last one, Ollie Watkins. <laughs> That's, it's, yeah. It's difficult, though. These are all, I mean, I'm happy to get any of these guys is the problem, you know? Um, but if you had the choice of all of these. Right. Yeah, I, I think I'm still on Tony, but again, very, very close. Uh, I think in our most recent rankings, I have Tony at 30 and Watkins at 32. So right in the right in the same range. I, I'd be happy to have either. I might go Tony too, just just because of something that I know about him that not everybody does. The guy gets insane aerials, like a ridiculous number of aerials, and that's points. So I like that. You like points? Um, <laughs> let me read you because okay, because the reason that this resonates with me, Gavin, um, and I think I read your article, but I. I was probably doing something else. I'm sorry. Um, uh, we, but, we had enough other stuff going on and other right. articles to write. I don't blame you. <laughs> go go about, back and give it a read though. I shall. I wrote about Tony and my five players whose, whose draft fantasy EPL pro- prospects have worsened. Um, and that article included guys like Inketia and Richarlison who we've already talked about at length. Um, but for Tony, uh, it basically talks about his time with Erickson and how amazing it was. And then it says, uh, after that, basically, this is fairly concerning considering he played two times as many games without Erickson than with him. Take heed, though, that these numbers still placed him just inside the top 25 overall point scorers during that time frame. So we're looking at, in his 22 games played prior to March 5th, 10.3 points per game, 6 goals, 2 assists, 25 key passes, 20 shots on target, 17 successful dribbles. So definitely a drop off from what he had with Erickson, but again, inside the top twenty-five, you'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just again, exactly. being careful not to reach. That's my whole point. All right, cool. And that will wrap it up for this particular episode. Thank you for tuning in to this positional discussion series. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I say it all the time, community. You're the reason we do this. Uh, You are the reason why we started the site. You're it. Um, So we love you. Thank you so much for supporting us, for tuning into the the podcast, reading the articles, engaging us on Twitter, um, just all the things. You're the best. So uh, if you have any questions, as we always say, start a dialogue, start a conversation, add us. We will retweet you if you have questions uh, about how your draft went. You want us to rate your draft. You want the community to rate your draft because we're not the only ones who know things here. Let's be honest. Um, Go ahead and, and tag us. We will gladly retweet that. If you want to take part in a mock draft, get at us. We will set you up with somebody who can, uh, probably Chris, let's be honest, it's it's always Chris who's doing mock drafts. Anyway, um, we'll set you up with somebody who can help you with mock drafts. Um, if you have trade advice, if you need uh, player valuation assistance, or you just have a player you don't quite understand why 
we're ranking a certain way or why the community feels a certain way about a certain player, let us know. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's get it out there because I love to have my mind changed too. Uh, there can be sometimes groupthink that goes on in, in certain aspects of the draft community. So let's make sure we're not, you know, challenging each other in uh, a mean-spirited way, but challenging each other in a way that that really just makes it so that we're all fleshing out our opinions to, to the, the greatest degree to where we actually have um, data or we actually have valid predictions to back up the things that we're saying. So we're all going into the drafts as best we can. And then those lonely suckers that are not on Twitter joining this community that is so supportive and wonderful, they obviously are going to be the ones who lose out and just get absolutely dominated in their drafts. <laughs> so anyway, hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions. Otherwise, again, thank you for listening. Head over to thedraftsociety.com. You'll see the draft kit there and everything we've got to offer. Again, thank you for your support. Community, again, 